0: All right, uh, we're starting a brand new series this morning called The Spirit Filled Life. And if you pull out your Bibles, our passage today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. It's on page 1007. And here at Flourishing Grace, we believe uh, that this is the Word of God, that every time it is uh, read, He does something with it in our hearts. And so, out of honor and reverence to that, would you stand? in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now there was a dwelling in jerusalem now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking galileans and how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Capodicea, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Some. All right. Thanks, Brett. Thank you very
1: much. And yes, summer together, I am training to climb the Grand Teton uh, here in, uh, next month. And I said, well, why, why do that alone? Why not sucker some other people into, you know, killing themselves with me? Um, and so may, maybe you have some ideas like that in your mind, man, where you're, you're already doing something. Why go at it alone? Let's let's live um, our summer together uh, this year uh, at Flourishing Grace. It'll be a lot of a lot of fun for us. Um, yeah. So this morning is uh, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, for those of you who maybe grew up in a church where you uh, observe the church calendar, you're very familiar with this. But actually, a lot of us probably aren't. A lot of us probably don't know what that uh, actually means. But for almost 2,000 years, right, the earliest uh, writings of the early church fathers um, in the writings of origin, right, we see this, uh, this, this picture of uh, a church calendar, and he speaks of a Sunday that is, that is a time where we reflect back on a moment in history, uh, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit, which Brett just read. This, this time in Acts chapter 2, so Acts 1, right, Jesus ascends into heaven, he commands uh, his disciples, to wait right there in Jerusalem. Don't go home, right? Jerusalem, Jerusalem's not their home. He says, don't go home. I'm sending a helper to you. Just, just hold on for a second. And so they, they kind of locked themselves up in the upper room there waiting uh, for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these disciples, these early followers of Jesus, in what is known as Pentecost, Right? And so every year on this Sunday, every single year, Pentecost Sunday, I mean, we cast our minds back to that moment, but not so that we can remember just a time in history, so that, but so that we can remember the effects and acknowledge the effects of that moment that has profound, deep implications for our life today, this moment today. Right? Pentecost is a reminder of the effects, the implications of the gospel, right? When Jesus becomes king by his blood, as we've already celebrated this morning through communion, we are cleansed, not partially cleansed, not somewhat cleansed, but all of our unrighteousness, all of our filth, all of our sin is washed away. And as a result of that, God has made a way for him to indwell not a building, not a space, but a people. And so the Spirit has taken up residence in every single follower of Jesus. He lives within us. The God of all things is living in In his people. This is a promise of the Old Testament and the prophets of old, and it became true at Pentecost, and it has remained true to this day. Jesus says, It is actually better for you for this to be true than for me to be with you. So often we think, Man, wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus was still here, still walking and living among us? Jesus actually, no, this is better for you. He says it this way in John 16. Verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you, he's talking to his disciples, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper there is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it is far better for you to have the Holy Spirit in you than it is to have me, Jesus, the risen Savior King, next to you. And yet for so many of us, myself included, we spend our days completely oblivious to that reality. And Pentecost is meant to awaken us to that. It's meant to bring us back and center us and say, do you realize what you have? Do you realize who is in you? Do you realize the power? Do you realize the love? Do you realize? It's unfathomable and Pentecost is meant to awaken us to that Um, I love how Charles Stanley um, puts it uh, in his book the wonderful spirit-filled life he says it this way he says if 11 men who had walked and talked with Jesus needed the Holy Spirit how much more do we need him if they dare not make a move until they were assured of his presence and power in their lives. How foolish are we, how foolish we are to charge out of the house every morning without giving him a second thought. No wonder our lives are characterized by defeat rather than victory, sorrow rather than joy, frustration rather than peace. Apart from the helper, life is reduced to, Doing the best we can. And and I don't know about you, but for me, that's not very good. Um, This book, uh, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life by Charles Stanley, is a book that I read uh, almost 20 years ago. And it changed my life forever. Not because it's this amazing theological work. It's not. In fact, Charles Stanley is not a guy that I would quote in any other context. He's not somebody I'd be like, you know what you should do today? Go listen to all Charles Stanley's, don't do that, right? Uh, But this cheesy purple book, okay, and it's cheesy because he put his own picture on the back that was taken like, I don't, well, before this was written, okay? Um, Like, who puts that big of a picture on the back of their book? Something going on there. Um, This book changed my life. When I, when I realized the effects of the Spirit and that the Spirit of God, God Himself has taken up residence inside of me, and I began to actually live out what Charles Stanley calls the wonderful Spirit-filled life, it, it transformed everything about my life. And before you think, oh, look at Josh, he's so spiritual. No, 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 no. Just, just like he says in that quote, so many of my days are squandered and wasted because I leave my house thinking, I got this. Oh, When it comes to my kids, I, I got this. When it comes to my marriage, oh, I, can, I can figure this out. When it comes to everything, I'll just YouTube it and figure it out. I can do this. right? I can, I can preach a sermon. I can, I can lead a church. I can lead our staff team. I can do, and all of those things are just it's me straining and striving under my own power, completely oblivious to, to who lives in me, and His abilities, and His capabilities. But in the seasons of my life where I have actually been awakened to that, in the moments of my life where I have, as Paul says, kept in step with the Spirit, walked with the Spirit, been awakened to His presence in my life, those have been the sweetest and the most joyful, the most fulfilling moments of my entire life. Not because everything in my life was perfect, because of the one in me who I was awakened to is perfect. And he is helping me in such great ways. And so my challenge to you as we kind of begin this series, this Pentecost Sunday, that maybe 2022, Pentecost, is kind of the moment where you might give yourself to this. Where you might actually be awakened to the reality of the Spirit that lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe it's it's a season that you actually give your life to Jesus and the Spirit comes to live inside of you. That maybe as we embark on this summer together for the next 90 days, you would, you would say, man, I want to experience and live a Spirit-filled life. That's the goal over the next few weeks here at Flourishing Grace, is that we would become a people who understand what it means to live a Spirit-filled life and that we'd be equipped to do that. Um, this morning... This morning we're gonna get into some kind of a high level overview stuff. We're gonna get super practical over the next few weeks. Um, we'll get a little practical at the end today, but we really need to answer some questions, some kind of big kind of. Uh, intellectual questions uh, like who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, um, and where where is the Holy Spirit? So, like th- these questions, um, I mean, there, there's no category. So the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Right, is the first question we're going to tackle this morning, and there's no category that we have. For this, okay? Um, when it comes to uh, the, the, the Godhead, that the we, we have time this morning to unpack the Trinity, but there's one singular God. There has never been more than one God. There will never be more than one God in anywhere, in any place, in, in all of space and time and outside of space. And time. There's only one singular God. But that God has existed for all time. It's in the community of three persons one God and three distinct. Persons. This is the this is the theology, the doctrine of the Trinity, and the third person in that Trinity is the Spirit. And we have a category for the other two, like you and I. We have a category for Father, right? Your your category for Father might be jacked up. I don't know what your dad was like or what you're like as a dad, right? It might be totally jacked up, but you still have a category for Father. So when we talk about the Father, we're kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right. I, Kind of got that, All right? We talk about the sun. We have a category for son. We know what a son is. We know what it means to be a son or have a son. Or we, we have a concept that we can kind of fit that in. And we're like, oh, okay, got it. But when we talk about the spirit, we're like, uh, uh, right? We don't have a category. Like it doesn't it doesn't exist. It's not it's not a regular thing that we engage in uh, as a people. And so we need to do some work. This morning to unpack that. And what I realize, before we get into this, what I realize is this. No matter how good a job I do, and I promise it won't be good, um, no matter how good we do, we're not going to answer all your questions. And so what I want to do as we get into this is every single week in this series, uh, I want to give you guys an opportunity to ask questions, right? As we're talking through this, you have questions. We want you to understand what it means to live a spiritual life. We want you to understand who the Holy Spirit is, right? Every follower of Jesus should know that. And so as I'm talking, if you have a question, you can actually text in your question. You just pull out your phone and text. you got to put in the body of the text, ask FGC, all one word. So A-S-K-F-G-C, right? In the body of text, you're going to text that to 97000, uh, 97000. Okay? And you just put your question. So ask FGC plus your question, whatever question you have, and you text that into 97000. Uh, we'll get that, and then every week we will answer those questions. So ne- next Sunday we'll answer whatever questions you may have. Does that make sense? We get this. We, 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 we know technology. Just put in ask FGC, all one word. Uh, you'll know it works because you'll get a response back from us. If you don't get a response back, you did it wrong, try it again. Okay? Cool? All right. All right, here's what we want to do. Who is the Holy Spirit? Right. As I said, we don't have a category for this, and so we have to kind of get. Um, what happens when we don't have a category is that we is that we 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 kind of get off track, and we kind of make up our own category. We try to find something in our world that we can kind of like tap into and say, "Well, this is what it must be like." And so we go off the rails here a little bit. And so a lot of times when people talk about the Holy Spirit in their mind, what they have is like. This, like, Star Wars-like force. This, like, energy that's, like, all around. And, right, this uh, invisible uh, I- energy that is just powerful and doing things, but, like, uh, it's, it's, it's in everything and it's something that we don't have any control over. Um, this metaphysical invisible force, right? Um, this energy. And if we can just, like, tap into that somehow... Right, but when we read the Bible, that's just not at all what we see. We do not see the Spirit as this impersonal energy force. Like that's not a that's not that's not a biblical idea. But for many of you, may, maybe some of you, uh, you grew up like Jehovah's Witness, or, or you have some good friends or family members that are Jehovah's Witness. That this would actually be um, the kind of the the doctrine. Spirit. I don't mean infinity, infinity buddy. Like kind of generally speaking, right? Jehovah's is kind of hold this idea of the Holy Spirit being kind of this invisible metaphysical force that's just kind of everywhere, right? Um, but it has, has no personality, right? It has no thoughts or feelings. It's just a, an energy, okay? Um, and then on the flip side of that coin where we get off the rails over here is like we say, no, no, no the Holy Spirit is actually a human being, like a, like a human, a, a man. The Holy Spirit is a, is a man, right? And there's, there's reasons for that, right? When we look at, in the Greek text, when we look at spirit, the word spirit in the Greek is in the neuter form, which means it's not male or female. But when the Holy Spirit is referred to, it's referred to in the masculine form. So it's like he, and so therefore it's a man. It's like, well, okay, hang on. That's not, that's not what's going on here, right? The Holy Spirit is not a, a human being, Okay? Not, not a human being, right? If for those of you who maybe grew up um, in, the, in the LDS church, you got LDS friends and neighbors, right? This is actually doctrinally an LDS category where we would say, man, the, the, the Holy Spirit is a is a male deity who will one day actually become a human being. We'll will put on flesh and just like you and just like me, right? And we'd say, well, actually biblically that, that doesn't make sense either. And so I'm gonna show you real quick like why neither one of these categories actually work for the holy spirit okay and i told you we're going to get we're going to get theological we're going to get all intellectual this morning it's deep i know it's weighty because we don't have a category for this but the reality is is that when we look at the bible we see a spirit who has a will who has knowledge who speaks who has personhood now, that doesn't mean he's a person, right? When theologians talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, they don't, they don't mean human. They mean that he has personality. He has, um, he, he is very much, he has emotions and feelings and experiences things. It's not some energy floating out in space, okay? Not not, not it. But at the same time, it's definitely not a human being, right? We see the Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus, Not human-like, right? We see the Spirit fluttering and hovering over the waters at creation. Not human-like. We see the Spirit indwelling every single follower of Jesus. There is, I don't know about you, but I don't know any humans who, like, dwell inside of other humans. That's like creepy sci-fi Martian stuff, okay? That's not how it works, okay? Um, So what we see is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is in every way, in every shape, in every form, God. He's not God pint size or God junior. He is fully God. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all one entity, all equal. The Holy Spirit's not down here wishing he could get up here. He is in every way the same, the same essence, the same oneness with the Father and the Son. He is our helper who lives within us. He's not an impersonal, impersonal, I don't know, energy, right? He has thoughts and feelings, emotions, a will and a desire, right? At the same time, he's not a human. He, he He has no body because he dwells in every single follower of Jesus. This is who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God our helper. What does the Holy Spirit do? That's the second thing I want us to talk about. Okay, so that's who he is. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is God our helper. He's sent by Jesus to advance the kingdom by leading people to Jesus. The building up of the church through supernatural gifts and enrich our lives through supernatural fruit. So, Advancing the kingdom, building the church, and enriching our lives. Quickly, I want to just kind of give you kind of a fire hose. I told you a fair warning. Like we're getting super intellectual this morning. There's just a lot of information that you're going to have to digest really quick. I'm going to give you just like a bunch of of texts and show you what the Holy Spirit does. right? And he's constantly doing all of these things. But I think it's helpful to think of these things kind of in these categories of building the church, advancing the kingdom, and enriching our lives, right? Whenever we see the Holy Spirit helping and working, he's doing those things. In John 14, 26, we see the Spirit teaching us and reminding us. John fourteen twenty six reads this way, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I have said. Not some impersonal energy, no, a helper, a teacher who's teaching us and reminding us of the way of Jesus, enriching our lives, advancing the kingdom, building the church by teaching us and reminding us. The Spirit speaks in Acts eight twenty nine. Got Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. The Spirit says to Philip, "Go over and join this chariot." Right? He is. He is. Building the church by leading the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus through Philip by speaking to Philip. So again, not an energy, but an actual person, a person who speaks. The Spirit makes decisions. We see this in Acts 18:28. It says this is it, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, right? The Holy Spirit weighs. Things and ways and makes decisions uh, based on what is wise and what is right, and it's always perfect. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4:30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, right? He can be saddened and sorrowed by our sin, by our rejection of Him, by our uh, suppression of Him. He can be sad. He can actually be outraged. Hebrews 10:29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has outraged the Spirit of grace? And when we reject the Holy Spirit in our life, when we reject the grace of Christ in our life, right? he is outraged by that, outraged by it. The Spirit um, helps us and intercedes for us and has a mind. Romans 8, 26-27 reads this way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. All right? So he is interceding for us, enriching our lives. He is advancing the kingdom. He is building the church. This is what the Spirit is constantly, always, actively doing. It's who he is. I love Christopher Ash's quotes. um, Pastor, theologian, he says it this way. This is a long explanation, but it kind of encompasses the whole work of the Holy Spirit. He says this, promised in the prophets for those in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the church by Jesus Christ through the power of his resurrection. The Spirit now brings believers into communion with the Father and the Son through the new birth, fills the believer with the love of God, works holiness in the lives of believers, and convinces uh, convinces people of the truth of the gospel. Believers ought to seek to be continually filled with the Spirit in order to love others through our words and deeds, seeking to build up the church through the gifts Jesus Christ gives to his church through the Spirit. That's a long, kind of all-encompassing definition of who the Spirit is and what he does, what the Spirit does. But he's constantly active in his people and the people who have given their lives to Jesus. I think in the simpler way, it's, simple, it's simpler just to remember that the Holy Spirit is God the Helper. He's called the Helper. He's been sent by Jesus to build up the church by leading people to Jesus, advance the kingdom through supernatural gifts, and enrich our lives through supernatural fruit. The church, the kingdom, our lives. The church, our kingdom, our lives. He's declaring Jesus, he's producing fruit, and he's giving gifts. This is what we see the Spirit doing again and again and again again. And again, this is what he does. Now, lastly, where is the Holy Spirit? Like, where is he, right? Is he like this invisible energy that's like everywhere? Okay, there's there's some truth to that, right? So, So we believe that God is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere at all times, but not in some like energy force, but in his person. That's who he is. Right, so he is everywhere at all times, but the Spirit has a residence, and his residence is inside every follower of Jesus. Inside every follower of Jesus. Real quick, we're almost done with the super theological stuff. I promise. Some of you were like fell asleep like five minutes ago. It's okay. Romans eight nine, you however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. In you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So the Spirit lives inside every true follower of Jesus. And it's important to realize this and recognize this. So many people believe that they're followers of Jesus, but really there's just been sold religion, right? You're, you've been sold that following Jesus means like you're doing all the right things and following all the rules and like you have propped up this version of Jesus, this image, this false kind of Jesus in front of you and say, look, this is what he wants you to do and do all these things. If you do all these things, then he's going to love you and like you and forgive you. Like, that's not actually following Jesus, People who have actually given their lives to Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Biblical followers of Jesus believe that the Spirit of God dwells in us, and not in buildings made with human hands. There is no way to be any more near to God than simply following Jesus and living a Spirit-filled life. 2 Timothy 1.14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The Spirit has a home, and that home is in the heart of every true follower of Jesus. This is only possible because of the blood of Christ. This is only possible because of the blood of Christ, right? We know that that because of the blood of Jesus on the cross, we are totally, completely, absolutely, in every way, shape and form, cleansed of our sin. There, There is no more sin that remains in me or on me, past, present, and future. I could sin right now, and I am cleansed by the blood of Christ. And because of that, the Spirit is now, God is now able to enter into the Holy of Holies, which is the heart of every follower of Jesus. Jesus has made our hearts the Holy of Holies. There is no more uh, need for a temple made with human hands, this temple that's trying, we're trying to get it all perfect and trying to get it all right. No, Jesus has done that work for us. The Holy of Holies is the heart of every follower of Jesus. And by the blood of Christ, the Spirit can take up residence inside of every follower of Jesus. At the moment of salvation, the moment we put our trust in Jesus, the moment we give our life to Him, the Spirit takes up residence in us, and He never, ever leaves. That is an important truth that you must know. The moment you became a follower of Jesus, the Spirit took up residence inside of you, And he will never, ever, ever leave. Again, Charles Stanley puts it this way. He said, when God looks at you, he sees the Holy Spirit within you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural reminder of God's promise to finish what he has begun in you. It is a sign to the spirit world that you belong to someone else. When God looks at me, he sees the Holy Spirit. When Satan looks at me, he sees the Holy Spirit. It's a sign to the spirit world that I belong to someone else. As long as you belong to the Father, the Holy Spirit will be there living in you, signifying his ownership. When he moved in, he moved in to stay, and he's not going anywhere. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is fully in every way God the Helper. What does he do? He builds the church by leading people to Jesus. He advances the kingdom by giving supernatural gifts and he enriches our lives with supernatural fruit. And where does he live? Where does he reside? He resides in us, he resides in every follower of Jesus. Now, super practical, okay? Real quick, and we'll wrap this up. How do we prepare? To encounter him. How do, we, how do we prepare to live a spirit-filled life? Uh, in Acts 2 in Jerusalem, right? The disciples prepare by just simply waiting. Like they're in the they're in the upper room, just waiting to kind of lock themselves in there. Like we're not going anywhere until the spirit shows up. Okay? Listen, that is not true for you and me. Because the spirit has already shown up. We are not waiting on the spirit. The Spirit is waiting on you. Billy Graham says that, and he puts it this way. The great uh, preacher and revivalist, he says, This is the good news. We are no longer waiting for the Spirit. He is waiting for us. We are no longer living in a time of promise, but in the days of fulfillment. The promise has been fulfilled. The Spirit has been given. We are not waiting for the Spirit to show up and do something in our lives. He's waiting for us to be awakened to the fact that He's already in our lives. The full power of God is in you if you are a follower of Jesus. You've got to wrap your mind around that this morning. Paul cries out in Ephesians 5. He says it this way. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He says, awake, O sleeper. Awake. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awaken to this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord. Right? Okay, all right, how do I make the best use of my days? How do I understand what is the will of the Lord? How do I live my life like that? Paul answers it. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine because that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This is often a misunderstood and misinterpreted text, right? What Paul is doing is he's comparing and contrasting drunkenness with wine and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit is always in us, but he's not always in us. Filling us. There's a difference between the two things, okay? He's always in us, but not always filling us. Um, and these, these are two different ways that Scripture talks about this. To be filled with the Holy Spirit um, is for the Spirit to have, to have residence over every square inch of your life. Paul is saying, man, when you... He's comparing drunkenness, right? And we we understand this. We we know this. When, when you have a little bit to drink, just like a little bit, like you have like half of a Michelob Ultra, um, like there is no, there's no effect on your life. Now, some of you are like, grew up in Utah, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Um, but there's there's no effect. You feel nothing because you just drink water, right? There's nothing there. Um, and so... There's no effect on your life. You are completely in control of all things. There's, you feel nothing different. You see nothing different. You experience nothing different. Like there's, there's no difference because you've only filled yourself with like a little bit of alcohol. But if you fill yourself with a little bit more or maybe a little bit too much, all of a sudden you become slightly impaired. And it's not that you aren't in control of things. You, it's not that you're you, you're stumbling all over, like insane, like doing things that you would never do. It's just you're slightly impaired. Maybe you're a little bit slower. Maybe your judgment's a little bit off. Maybe you laugh at jokes that aren't funny anymore, right? And maybe you make jokes that aren't funny any anymore, right? You probably shouldn't be drinking a car at this point or or flying a plane, or performing surgery. Like those are bad things to do when you've had a little bit too much drink. But if you continue to drink, at some point when you are filled, you become completely, absolutely out of control and impaired, where you have no control. Like you're just black out, like you have no idea what's going on. You're just like going through life and you are completely out of control. When I was in college, all right, this is before I was a follower of Jesus, okay, fair, fair warning. Uh, one of my roommate went out drinking, um, and, and I mean like drinking. And he came home around four in the morning um, completely out of his mind. Okay, um, and, and I kind of like woke up when he came in because he's stumbling all over everything and knocking things over. I'm like, what is it? I kind of fall back asleep and then I wake up a, like a few minutes later and I hear the sound of like running water like in our room. I hear running water. I'm like, hey, there's no sink in our room. There's no bathroom in our room. Like what is going on? I, I, I look around and he is over in the corner just peeing in the corner of the room. okay. Like complete, I'm like, what are you doing? And he just like turns around and there's just pee everywhere. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. Like he's completely outside of his mind because he's just given himself over. He's been filled with wine. Now I know, listen, you're like, what is going on? Like, listen, this is what Paul's doing. He's comparing and contrasting, being filled with wine and being filled with the Spirit. And if you remember in Acts 2 that Brett read earlier, what were the people accused of? being drunken with wine. They're drunk with wine. They have too much wine, right? Early in the morning. They're drunk. What Paul is saying is, men, as we fill ourselves with the Spirit, as we are filled with the Spirit, as we surrender every square inch of our lives, we become less and less and less in control. Now, you can give a little bit of yourself to the Spirit. right? I went to church, and I, I read my Bible, and I, I said a prayer before dinner, right? And you feel, listen to me, you feel no Real effect of the Spirit in your life. You you were a little bit obedient. You were a little bit. You did a little bit, right? But you feel no real effect of your life. You it's just like drinking a half a Michelob Ultra. Nothing happens. Okay. You can do a little bit more. You can can kind of give your life to to prayer and a little bit of mindfulness and be be more intentional in your your relationship with Jesus, right? And you're going to experience more fulfillment of the Spirit, more filling of the Spirit in your life. And there's going to be more evidence the Spirit's working in your life. But for some of us, we say, man, I'm going to commit my life to the work of the Spirit. I'm going to completely give myself over to this. I want to be filled completely and fully. I want to surrender all that I am and all that I have to the work of the Spirit. This is where we are no longer in control, but the Spirit is working in and through every fiber of our being and every area of our soul. Charles Stanley, again, in that book, puts it this way. He says, The Spirit-filled life is a moment-by-moment relationship characterized by dependency on the Holy Spirit. And surrender is the foundation upon which that unique relationship is built and maintained. So the first thing we do when we want to prepare to live a spirit-filled life is surrender. Step one is surrender. Moment by moment, acknowledging the words of Jesus in John 15, that we can do nothing apart from him. Right? Full, complete surrender. And the more we surrender to the Spirit, the more we experience the Spirit. And so I want to challenge you this week to just begin to surrender areas of your life to the Spirit. We've talked about this a lot at Flourishing Grace. The areas where you are the least surrendered are the areas where you are most anxious. The areas where you're the least surrendered are the areas where you're the most stressed out and angry. And so this week, when you begin to experience stress... When your kids start piping off and you just, your, your chest starts to get a little tight, your boss comes in and he's just on a tear and he's driving you crazy. you got an employer or a coworker that's just driving you nuts. You, you and your spouse start getting into it and you start getting stressed. Your chest starts getting tight and you start right, getting a little angry, a little hot-headed. And you've got all these things going on in your heart and in your mind. Right? In that moment, I want to challenge you to begin a new practice. I want to challenge you this week to focus on surrender. Just open your hands and to acknowledge, I can't do this. It's why I'm anxious, it's why I'm stressed, it's why I I am angry, it's because I know that I'm not in control, I never was in control. But you are totally and completely in control and you are in me. And So right now would you fill me? Would you do a work in me that I cannot do? Would you give me wisdom? to handle the situation? Would you give me peace? Would you give me love? Would you give me joy? Would you supernaturally fill me so that I would respond with, with, with out of your work, not out of my work? To begin the work of surrender is the, is the foundation of the Spirit-filled life. And so let us be a people of open hands. Let us be a people who say, I can't do this i need you i need you to fill me right now in order to live this life second real quick we gotta lay in this plane okay you gotta get quiet you gotta get quiet no, no one has had this spiritual awakening filling of the holy spirit moment while like binging netflix it doesn't happen like, no, nobody's, like, scrolling through Instagram and TikTok, and all of a sudden, like, the Spirit just gets a hold of their life, and there's all these, like, like unbelievable wisdom coming in. Not, not how it works. We need to get quiet. And I know some of you are like, Josh, it's summer, and I got four kids at home. Listen, you have to figure that out. You have to. It is far more valuable to your children that you get some time, just 30 minutes a day, to be still with the Holy Spirit, then you be the world's best mom. It's just far greater. It's far better. So, so let them watch the iPad for 30 minutes. I promise it won't kill them, and it will be better for them and for you if you can just get still. Maybe you gotta leave for work a little bit earlier in the morning. Maybe you just gotta get your butt up a little bit earlier in the morning or stay up a little bit later. But we gotta find time to be still and to meditate and to dwell on the work. Of the Spirit in our life. And the primary way the Spirit speaks to us is through His Word, through the Word of God. So we need to be in the Word. I want to challenge you this summer to take up a form of scripture reading known as Lectio Divina. I said earlier that um, in Pentecost Sunday came out of the kind of third century. We see Origen and Augustine talking about this idea. In the same way, they talked about this idea of Lectio Divina, which just means divine, pre- divine reading, right? Lectio reading. Uh, divina, divine, right? It's this Latin phrase for divine reading. It's it's a way of reading Scripture that is not about interpreting the text and understanding all that it means. It's a way of reading Scripture with God and for intimacy with God, which I believe is actually the reason we're given Scripture, is to develop intimacy with God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't interpret it, we shouldn't understand it. Like, that's my job, and I love doing it. But if you want intimacy You want to experience the Spirit in your life? You want to hear the Spirit? It comes through intentionally reading the Word. Lectio Divina has kind of these four main pieces to read, meditate, pray, and contemplate, right? And so the way it works is really, really simple. Um, You just read a short piece of Scripture. Like, this is not like a chapter or a book. It's like like a line or two. It's like a phrase, maybe a paragraph. Just read it slowly and carefully, allowing the Spirit to just awaken you to it. Rather than trying to study everything on the page, I mean, what what is the Spirit asking me? Right, then we meditate on that. And we ask the Spirit, what would you have? What would you have me see? What would you have me learn from this? And we just think over that text and pray over that text. And the Spirit illuminates something in that text. Maybe it's one word. Maybe it's a phrase. Something jumps out at you. You should meditate on that one word, that one phrase. This is a slow process. Maybe over 30 minutes, maybe you do it one time, maybe you do it three times, but it's a slow process. We move from meditation into prayer. We begin to pray that phrase. We begin to pray, pray that word. And what, maybe, it, maybe it's a prayer of adoration because the Spirit's illuminated something about God to you. Or maybe it's a prayer of thanksgiving because he's illuminated something that God has done for you. Right? I, I don't know what that would be. But we, we just begin to pray that phrase, pray that scripture, pray it back to God and praise him and thank him for it. And then we move into contemplation where we just write that down. Maybe write it down, maybe think through, man, what, what is God teaching me? What is God teaching? Showing me in, in me and through me. So what does he want me to do as a response to this? Let me just write it down. And then you just do it again. You just do it again. And so you set aside time. You say, I'm going to do this for 30 minutes. And you just do it again and again and again for 30 minutes. And maybe it takes you the whole 30 minutes to do those four things. Maybe you can do those four things three or four times in 30 minutes. But it's just intentional listening to the Spirit. So I want to challenge you this week, and really all over the summer, to pursue surrender and quiet, surrender and quiet as we are awakened to who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, that all that has been given to us through the gospel of Jesus, that we be a people who live a wonderful, Spirit-filled life. Let me pray for you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning. We acknowledge that you have given your life. You have bled and died so that we might be filled. We confess this morning that we are people who neglect the Spirit regularly. Moment by moment, day by day, we do not engage. We do not think. We don't have a category for it. It's weird for us. People have made it weird. And so we just push away and suppress and neglect. But I pray that we be people who desire to be filled with your Spirit. That we be people who desire to hear from your Spirit. We be people who are awakened to the power that is within us. Lead us and guide us. Shape us and mold us. I pray these things in your name, in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Let's stand and let's sing one last song together as we go.